This is the Amazing Starts Here podcast. Our guest today, Hayden Sanger, Mets 2018 draft pick out of Miami University in Ohio. 24th rounder, college that most people may have not heard of. They at least get it confused with the U. But, Billy, we're talking to somebody who's a terrific catcher, a top 30 in the Mets organization. That is uh, kind of a hidden talent because everyone thinks catchers. They think Francisco Alvarez, but watch out for Hayden Sanger. Yeah, obviously Francisco Alvarez is a top 10 prospect in Major League Baseball, and he's a young guy who hits the ball really hard and has lots of buzz around him. But Hayden Sanger is definitely an an under-the-radar kind of guy who has had success at every level. He's uh, a very solid defensive catcher. He also hits the ball really hard and has put up some pretty impressive offensive numbers as well. So um, he's a guy who sort of flies under the radar because all the headlines go to Francisco, but... He's, uh, you know, a level ahead of Francisco in terms of development. Uh, he spent most of the year last year in double-A after he hit a walk-off home run against the Hudson Valley Renegades in Brooklyn and came into the clubhouse and said, pack your bags, you're, you're heading up to double-A. So that was a solid 10 minutes of his life that I'm, I'm pretty sure he uh, doesn't really have much memory of. Uh, but he's a, he's a very interesting guy. He's a guy who's, like as we said, under the radar a little bit, but... He's full of talent, and he's somebody that, you know, almost like a, a Tomas Nito kind of guy who may not be your everyday big league catcher, but he's a guy who has a chance to make it up there and, and certainly stick for a while. Our conversation with Ohio native Hayden Sanger. Okay, Hayden Sanger, your Cincinnati Bengals made it to the Super Bowl this year. Um, before we get into the baseball thing, how did that go as a fan to see Cincinnati go from Cincinnati Bengals to Cincinnati Bengals? Right. Yeah. I mean, losing in the Super Bowl is not fun, but honestly, as a Cincinnati fan, you're just, you're welcoming one playoff win and you're happy with that. So actually just making it to the Super Bowl was pretty exciting for us. Was it a sad ending or were you just like so amazed that you had even, it had even come down to the last play of the game in the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it was sad and, you know, we, Actually, I mean, we thought we had a chance, and we did. Like, we were a really good team. But, you know, I was I was happy that we made it there. It was nice to see a Cincinnati team win it something again. So, yeah, I was I was happy. I was very, very happy. And they just, they just keep building better uh, linemen now. So we'll see what next year brings for them. Yeah, keep Joe Burrow upright and, and, and safe, and I think right. he'll be all right. So, give give uh, Joe Burrow right. any sort of time, and I, I feel pretty good about the Bengals. Uh, let's talk about your 2021, which was chock full of baseball. You played a full season, got mm-hmm. the call up from high A to double A fairly quick, and then the Arizona Fall League. So just your overall thoughts of how last year went, first year back after the pandemic. Yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun being back out on a baseball field and now – a lot of people miss baseball during 2020, me included. It wasn't a fun year for any baseball fan or any baseball player. It's uh, uh, going that long without baseball is something that we've never had to do. And I was just thankful to be out on the field playing again with uh, with no real major issues. So, yeah, I mean, without all the stats and all that, like just being out on the field, that was uh, – 
that was worth worth it all. What was the the Arizona Fall League like for you? I mean, that's that's sort of like a, a who's who of of the next generation of sort of stars and, and big league guys. And uh, you know, obviously, being invited there is is an honor for you. But um, what was it like being out there and, and playing with that kind of competition and um, just hanging with guys from other organizations and, and that that whole whole deal? Yeah, I it was a it was an honor to be invited out there and being able to play with you know, the best guys in minor league baseball is, and being able to compare yourself to all the other guys, that's, uh, you know, that's experience you don't take for granted. It's, it's cool seeing all the big name guys out there and seeing them play and competing against them. And, you know, it's, it's competing against them and it's also learning from them. So it was a, it was a good time, you know, seeing all those good players out there. Is it a, surprise to you that I guess you know you're kind of an under the radar underdog type person with the you know going to Miami getting drafted in the 24th round do you feel like this is it's it's happening a little bit quicker for for you than it, it might normally for somebody who's in your position as far as those just those background not knowing you as a player kind of things yeah I mean I think uh this whole thing is a minor league baseball is a process and you get better and better each day that you come out here. And I know I've improved so much since I was drafted and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just being myself more and letting my actual talent play and not worrying too much about, you know, where my left foot is in my swing or like the mechanics of my throwing. And it's just, you know, I think once I let free a little bit and, started to relax and play and just have fun. That's when I really started to uh, become a better player. And, you know, I, I I feel pretty confident in my abilities now. So, When you jumped into the uh, top 30 prospect list, what were your first thoughts when that happened? <clears throat> well, I first off thank Tyler, M- Tyler McGill for – graduating that to allow me to get in there. <laughs> so shout out to Ty Lohr on being a really good pitcher. So, but uh, you know, that's something that all of us strive for and me included. And yeah, just like the fall league, it's a, it's an honor to be on that list. Going back to the fall league. Uh, what was the maybe one or two things that you, you took away from that because it's, you know, like you said, you're playing a full season, but then once you see these better players and you kind of elevate your game a little bit, I mean, what Mm -hmm. did you take away from that experience? Yeah. I mean, you take away uh, what you're good at, I guess, and being able to perfect those things that you're really good at. Like it's hard to be a, a perfect baseball player with, with everything. But I know if I uh, can work and perfect at the stuff that I'm really good at, then you know, I can compete. And uh, another thing with the fall league is you're, you're treated like a big leaguer and, you know, it's kind of that like uh first taste, I would guess of uh, being a big league player and figuring out your own routine and figuring out your own way to go about things as opposed to, you know, like team stretches, somebody forcing you into the weight room. It's about you. It's, it's your career and it's what you make of it. So we talked about, you know, the top 30 prospects and th- there's a bunch of catchers in the Mets organization that are uh, 
on that list, including obviously Francisco Alvarez, who's mm-hmm. one of the top 10 in all of baseball. Yeah. So having a guy like that who you're, you know, competing with and working with, um, how do you view that as, as, as a, another guy that's obviously has the same goal as you trying to get to the, the big leagues who's, you know, sort of yeah, at and- the level below, below you in terms of development? Yeah, it's no surprise Alvarez is a really good baseball player. And, you know, I don't really like to see it as competing with the other catchers that are in the Mets org. We're a pretty tight-knit group, I would say. And it's more of a bouncing ideas off each other, everybody getting better. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily wanting Alvarez to do bad or wanting Nick Meyer to do bad because you never want – one of your teammates to uh, be bad, but it's just uh, uh, being able to bounce ideas off each other and everybody improve, you know, everybody obviously has the same goal. And if we can all work together to be really good catchers, then who knows where this will take us. So that's kind of how I view it. Like, and I think it works for all of us. And so not only, you know, the, the catchers themselves, but now you're in spring training and obviously uh, Nate's down there who's been sort of the catching guru in the Mets organization for better part of, I guess, probably two decades almost at this point, maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, what what is it like working with him and being in a situation where, um, you know, all of you guys are together and, and it's not just, you know, working on your own and uh, working with one or two guys. There's, you know, mm-hmm. a dozen catchers down there that you're, you're able to work with, including Nate, who sort of oversees everything. Yeah. Uh, and like I said before, I think uh, once I started to be more free as a baseball player, that's when I really started to improve. And I owe a lot of that to Nate. Like he, I think, saw what was in me more than anybody else did. And he just spent the last three or four years just trying to get that out of me. And, you know, with all the, other catchers here it's again it's kind of the same thing like everybody's really good at something and if you can learn just that one thing off somebody else then you're going to become better and then they're going to look at you and be like dang you're really good at so and so and they're going to become really good at that and i think that just benefits everybody like we're not uh we're not selfish players we we like to all get better and i think that is the best way to do it you come from like a football background and i have to think that that might have helped in just you're i think you're a linebacker if you correct me if i'm wrong but uh you know on a football team there's you know 12 linebackers and only mm-hmm. three or four get it and play at a time so does that background of you know knowing that you're just trying to be the best you on his team help you out when you are competing with these guys who are chasing the same dream yeah i yeah i think uh football has a lot to do with that and you know, like you said, there's a lot of people fighting for one position. And uh, same thing with football. You're, you know, you, whatever, beat up on the scout team. and <laughs> But those are the same guys that are going to come take your position in a couple years. So you don't want to, you don't want to leave them with not learning anything from you because you want to make that program better. You want to make, you know, your high school football team better from, you teaching the young guys. So catch, catchers have 
war stories. You guys get dinged up more than more than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your first go round in Brooklyn, uh, your last at bat of the season, you got hit yep. square, in the, square in the dome, uh, which was terrifying. Which glad it worked out okay. But what's what's the uh, the biggest ding? I guess that that you've sort of suffered, you know, as a catcher over your career. Oh, as a catcher. Um... It's not really just like the one ding that gets you. It's the, you know, that's the third foul tip you get off your mask in nine innings, or it's the one off your inner thigh that hurts for five innings, and then somehow you get hit there again. It's not really necessarily one with catching, but it's a it's a buildup of a bunch of a bunch of bunch of bruises. And and fastballs to the, to the dome, which yeah. that's another story in and of itself. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that uh, yeah, not much I could do there. That was like, uh, <laughs> oh crap, here it comes. What am I going to do? Let's just let it hit my head, I guess. <laughs> yeah. For all, but it's always wild to me when you see these guys like in the training room and they have you know you'll have like a bruise on your whatever mm-hmm. for like six weeks. Yeah, that just it's just there. Yeah, and most people would crawl into a ball and. Just that's it. But you guys are literally doing the same thing every day, getting hot, hitting the same spot. It's it's wild. It's wild to see. Yeah, those uh, those inner thigh bruises they don't go away quickly, and and they hurt and they hurt bad. Uh, the question about recovery too. I remember when we we took a trip to Vermont. Jose mm-hmm. Mena was like crying the next day because of I think he caught and then sat six or seven hours, you know, on that bus trip up, yeah. and he was just in pain. I mean. That's a part of this minor league story that a lot of people, I guess, don't know. Like how how do you manage those long bus rides with your legs after you catch, you know, five games in six days or whatever it may be? Yeah, the the bus rides are they're a little tough to deal with because you really, you know, you don't have much of an option there. Like you can't, you know, you can't fly a plane to the next place. You gotta you gotta take the bus. So I would, the bus is kind of just wearing it and. Then the next morning around is when I usually get all my work and I I really enjoy yoga. So that's something that I do to keep my body healthy. And I just started doing that actually over COVID in 2020 and my body feels really, really good now. So gonna show Bill how to do a downward facing dog. <laughs> yeah, what if I, I did yoga up. like twice. I did yoga like twice and I couldn't walk for like six weeks. Oh, it's killer. I actually, I went to my first actual like hot room yoga over, over quarantine when I moved to Indianapolis and man, that first session I had, I was, I think I got through 10 minutes of it and then just collapsed on my mat and sat in a, uh, in a child's pose for the rest of the time. But (laughs) see, that's the difference between me and a professional athlete. I did the same thing, just never went back. (laughs) Yeah. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> Gets better with time. <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to ask you about um, catching dudes. I mean, I'm sure at Miami, you know, no hate on, on the pitchers, you know, back in the Mac, but that's probably got to be the, one of the biggest adjustments for you too, is especially in the fall league, mm-hmm. you're, throw, you're catching guys who are throwing just darts. What is mm-hmm. that? What is that like? And how do you get better at that? Uh, you just get better at it by catching it. And um, I was thankful enough to have uh, pretty good pitchers at my at Miami when I was there. And, you know, I didn't really 
notice an adjustment on until I I caught a Eric Hanhold in 2018 and he was doing a rehab assignment for Brooklyn and my god that was something I had like never seen before and I was kind of thinking in my head how am I s- supposed to catch this thing like I I <laughs> I was just catching them in a bullpen and I was like this thing is moving like crazy and I'm struggling with it I'm clanking it off my glove left and right but uh, I guess, I mean, it's just you catch more and more in those guys and, you know, you start to get comfortable. Maybe it takes a couple pitches to get used to a guy if he's got real nasty stuff. But the more you catch a guy, the more you get used to it and it just kind of becomes second nature. So now you're down in St. Lucie, you're down there for spring training. And, you know, we all saw the video the other day of the six pack with uh, Scherzer and Chris Bassett and Jacob mm-hmm. Brown throwing. Um have you been over on the big league side to catch any of these guys or at any point during, during the spring? And uh, what, what was sort of your takeaway from that? Yeah, I, uh, I caught a couple of the big league guys. I caught uh, Scherzer the first day and. Oh, just, just Scherzer. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that I would be lying if I said my heart wasn't racing a little bit, but I mean, you can tell like with those guys they're they're serious about it when they get up on the mound, like there's no, real joking around they're in there to do their stuff and they take it seriously especially Scherzer like yeah it was it was a really cool experience did you have to sign an NDA before you did that (laughs) non-disclosure there's there's those stories about him like where before you know when he's throwing a bullpen he'll stop and pretend the national anthem's playing so he has a a break before he does and then (laughs) When a couple of years ago, so I, I mean, we talked about this once before, Keith, where a guy got traded to wherever he was, and before he came out to watch a bullpen, he made him sign an NDA. <laughs> uh, that, that's a, there's intent, and then there's that kind of intent. Yeah, so that's a first first bullpen as a Met, and Hayden Sanger's back there catching it, so he's not allowed to tell us anything, Keith. Yeah, does it does it help as a hitter seeing so many guys? as a catcher, you know, on the other side, or is it two different beasts? It's a, it's two different beasts. And I actually find myself hitting worse off guys. I catch a lot because I kind of, I feel like I can get inside their mind, like know what they're coming, but, or know what's coming. And then next thing they know, they throw the complete opposite pitch and I look like an idiot up there. But yeah, I think it's a, like catching has its benefits when it comes to hitting, being able to think with the catcher, think with the pitcher, be able to sequence with them. Like what would I call in this situation? And sometimes if you're, when I'm feeling like really hot with it, like I feel like I know what pitch is coming next, no matter what, but then you can kind of start to get in a slump with that. And that's kind of where I start to overthink, like trying to guess pitches because what would I throw in this situation? But that's me. And, you know, you don't want to look like that uh, idiot up there that's expecting a fastball and the dude throws a 55-foot breaking ball and you swing at it and you're like, why did I even do that? And it's just because you're overthinking it. But, yeah, so. So simplify is is what you're you're learning for yourself, I guess. Yeah, simplify when you're hitting – really try to get into the mind games when you're catching. So, Bill, are you ready with your rapid fires or do you have any other questions behind the mask? 
uh, behind the mask. That that should be like a segment that we do with, with, with just catchers every week. It's not bad. Hayden never has his own podcast. He could do behind the mask with Hayden. <laughs> it's a good. It's got a good ring to it. Don't really see myself as a podcast guy, but who knows? Are you? We a- aren't either. We're just here, but here we are. <laughs> are you a skyline guy or a gold star guy? I am a skyline guy. I think I had gold star one time when I was younger to try it and swore it off since. They are there's loyalties in Cincinnati and you don't cross the line. Well, it's interesting you say that because Gary Cohen, uh, the broadcaster for the Mets, mm-hmm. crossed the line. I think last year they were showing, you know, Cincinnati Chili and Gary Cohen tore it apart. So can you, uh, I guess, uh, give us the benefits of why it, we shouldn't tear it apart and should we give it its respect? Well, I do, uh, like, I do understand why people from Cincinnati don't enjoy it. It's kind of an acquired taste. Like, I know a lot of my college teammates, they were from out of town. And when they first had it, they were like, this is disgusting. Like, what is this that you're trying to get me to eat? But I think everybody comes around to it once you give it a fair shake. But, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know what it is about it. It reminds me of home. I don't know. It's, and it's just, it's my favorite place to go when I'm home. Like it's, it, it's just uh, one of those things. I just love it. <laughs> what, what, for the people who are New Yorkers listening to this, who don't quite understand putting chili on spaghetti, uh, what is your order at Skyline then? My order is a three-way, which is the spaghetti, chili, and cheese, and three cheese conies all the way, which is uh, hot dog, chili, cheese, mustard, and onion. So that is what I normally get. And you can also get, and I know this sounds probably even more disgusting, but it's called a Cholito, and you can put the chili in a burrito and I like to put mine in with uh, spaghetti. So you would say ch- uh, Cholito with spag. That's how you say that. It's like learning a whole new language. I, yeah. I, I appreciate so there's, there's Skyline lingo. I think there's a show on Netflix called Murderville. With uh, uh, the, the episode I saw was the, the premiere with uh, Conan O'Brien. And they, mm-hmm. they talk about the Cholito. And I thought it was just a completely made up thing. But yep. now here I am. Like, I, I know that this, this thing exists and it is wonderful. Yep, it is, it is awesome. It's ahead of uh, Chupacabra in the dictionary, I think. <laughs> Things that may or may not exist. Uh, what is your favorite yeah. childhood cereal? I'm still in a question from Billy. Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Still eat it. Love it. Favorite one. Love it. Uh, cheat meal. What are you eating when the, the nutritionist isn't asking you what you what you had for dinner last night? Uh, honestly, Krispy Kreme donuts. I could eat a whole dozen of them. Wow. Uh, you've grown up in this the country, but hanging out in the city. Are you city or country guy? Um, more of a country guy. You know, not, I wouldn't really consider myself a country guy, but if I could choose, it would probably be that. So as a catcher, a guy who also hits, would you rather – hit a walk-off home run, or catch the last out to win the World Series? Last out to win the World Series. It's a good problem to, to, to fight between there. Um, do you have a dream car that you'd ever like to purchase? Uh, yes, a 59 C1 Corvette. Wow. Yeah. That is right spot on. <laughs> <laughs> what color? You got a color? 
the classic, the white with the red interior would probably be. But I also really love the black. I'm a big, uh, like, old kind of muscle car, old American muscle. Like, if I could have uh, a really nice truck and then an old American muscle car, that would be my dream setup. So besides Max Scherzer, who's the most famous person you've ever met? Um, I'll try to stick outside of baseball here. Didn't really meet him, but I was in the same line to go into the Shrek ride at Universal as Shaquille O'Neal. So <laughs> that counts. Put it in. That, that does count. How far were you? Like, were you could you reach out and touch him, or are we talking like you could see his head in the distance over everybody uh, else's? I could like see him walking by, but I was like midway of the pack, but. Uh, if I like remember correctly, he just kind of walked to the front and went right in. But it is Shaquille O'Neal, so <laughs> I wonder if you yeah. Can I mean, he's probably arguably one of like the top. I don't know, ten, fifteen most famous people in the world. I would yeah, guess. So I, that, that's a good yeah, one. yeah. And I've also had a dinner with Pete Rose, which is also that wow. I try to stick away from the baseball topic there. But that was. Probably the most like famous interaction I've ever had with somebody. That sounds right. like a fun dinner. Yeah, yeah you got to you got to tell us a little bit. What'd you learn? What'd you What'd you talk to Pete about? Um, talk to Pete Rose about Pete Rose. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's really cool. He's a, a very interesting guy to talk to, and you know, like when you listen to other baseball guys like that, like. That dude had all the confidence in the world. He, he was an incredible mindset, like hit every single time. Like that was what he went up there thinking. And he thought he could dominate anybody, which is, you know, it was really cool to hear. Yeah. He, he kind of embodied the city of Cincinnati just with this toughness and mm-hmm. things like that. Did you, you know, remember that growing up and did you try to embody maybe not him, but somebody mm-hmm. else? Um, yeah, obviously he was a little before my time, but you know, you hear the the Charlie Hustle stories and you know, running over a catcher and uh, running his career. So, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like the the dude was nonstop hustle, and you know, at, at the time, like Cincinnati thrived on that. You know, big red machine, like that's what uh, Cincinnati was all about. So he was a little bit before your time, but who, who was your guy when you were growing up? What, what, who was your favorite player when you were a kid? Um, I really liked, uh, you know, through high school watching Tucker Barnhart catch. Um, but if I had to say, like, my absolute favorite player every single time that he came into the game, very rarely played, but Corky Miller, if you ever remember that name, he was the Reds' backup catcher with, like, the uh, Fu Man shoe. Loved when he came in. Just love, love the name, love the look. Like, I just loved him. I was in the Cincinnati organization for the two years I was there. He would come in as a roving coach, and mm-hmm. it was like Elvis Presley walked in the building. Yeah, this guy was just a, a nut job. Yeah, yes. we just had, you just had something about him. You just wanted to root for him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I think what we learned from this is that Hayden needs to grow a Fu Manchu. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm rocking the goatee right now, so getting close. 
But then the chili gets stuck in the beer and it's nasty, yeah. so we don't have to do that. Well, it's good for seconds later on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Hayden, we appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck in 2022. I mean, sky's the limit. I mean, how do you feel going into this uh, into this year? I, I feel really good. Season could start tomorrow and I'd be ready. I'm ready to get this thing going. Awesome. Thanks, man. Good luck this year. Yeah, thanks, guys.